research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, this is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power. Sitting next to me, as always, is the co-host, the co-pilot of this podcast, Eric Eggers. He's the vice president at the Government Accountability Institute and the author of the book, Fraud. Now, Eric, it's summertime, of course, and here in the South, that means that actually the school year is fast approaching. Thank goodness. Yeah, you're very happy about that, right? Um, your time at home with the kids is obviously coming to the close, and um, I'm kind of wondering, I'm sure you did a lot of stuff, you had a lot of fun, you're a great dad, but there are certain things that you had to do with the kids that you didn't like so much. No, absolutely. Like birthday parties at the skating rink, which is just the, the worst place to have a birthday party. And or, you know, you get kind of stuck in these marathons of these TV shows that have absolutely no redemptive value whatsoever. But I'd also say as a sovereign adult, sometimes my kids end up doing stuff that they don't want to do. Right. Like we're just going to be at the pool today, guys. Like, right. Don't talk to daddy and uh, just try not to drown. That's, right. Well, you know. these are these are tried and true techniques. Right. right? Sometimes you just have to do stuff uh, that you want to do and you try to do it with a good attitude. Sometimes there can be sort of a a, a passive resistance that takes place. <laughs> um, and that brings us today to Nancy Pelosi, uh, because she kind of knows your pain. She's not a father per se. She well, who's to say anymore, you know? <laughs> but, you know, she's got her own kids, uh, I would say, and that's her fellow um, members of Congress. Uh, and they're a little bit more sovereign than your kids are. And they've been actually engaging in some really interesting legislative ideas that Nancy doesn't like. She knows they're popular. Nancy doesn't like them. So she's engaged in this sort of passive, uh, uh, aggressive, uh, negligent approach to legislation. And we're going to talk about that today. Yeah, I really like this metaphor. Like my kids form of rebellion is like leaving toys all over the family room floor. Right. Yeah, Nancy yeah. Pelosi's kids uh, form of rebellion is introducing legislation that would ban insider trading. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about today, insider trading. What I love is that they have introduced all this legislation, but Nancy Pelosi's stated reason, reason for not wanting legislation banning insider trading is, quote, I have great confidence in the integrity of my members. I'm thinking if her members are saying we need this legislation and she has confidence in their integrity, Maybe she should actually pass the legislation, but alas, she's not. Is so, that, that kind of like saying, like, I don't need to go to the gym. My diet's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> or my physique looks fine, uh, contrary to the facts. But we're going to talk today about insider trading. We've discussed this before. We've been intimately involved in exposing it, uh, leading to the first legislative uh, passage uh, uh, basically a decade ago. And there's been some recent activities. Members of Congress, Democrats have introduced a series of pieces of legislation that are wildly popular on both sides of the aisle, wildly popular with the American people. And Nancy Pelosi, for some reason, can't seem to find a time to schedule for these pieces of legislation to even be heard in committee or on the House floor. So we're going to give you an update on that. But first, I want to step back. For those of you who have not followed this issue as closely as we have, 
I want to talk first about what is insider trading, right? Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of confusion about that. Why members of Congress can engage in it. And then second of all, let's talk a little bit about why we should care. Is this just members of Congress making a little extra cash on the side? Why should we care? And then we want to give you an update and explain why we are, I think, at a critical juncture when it comes to fighting corruption today. And once again, we seem to have, you know, artfully stumbled into a topic that you have literally written a book about. In fact, the (laughs) fact that we here at the Government Accountability exist, Government Accountability Institute exists because of the success and the popularity of the book that you wrote um, called Throw Them All Out. And I, I love the origin story of this. And this is a book that you wrote, Exposed Insider Trading Members of Congress trading stocks in the industries that they regulated because of the committees they sat on. And uh, but you kind of got the idea to even begin this a, a long time ago, over a decade ago, because you saw an academic study that compared portfolio performance. And I know you're always like looking for things to be like validating. I know it just made you feel terrible because I know you take a lot of pride <laughs> in your portfolio's performance. And you're like, wait a minute, I think I'm doing okay, but I'm not even anywhere near like a hedge fund or a member of Congress. Right. Exactly right. So I had a friend, uh, have a friend who's an economist who sent me an article uh, more than a decade ago from the Journal of Quantitative Economics. Um, this is one of those academic journals that has a lot of math equations Oof. in the middle of the articles. Pass. Uh, yeah. Well, exactly. But But this one had a very interesting article that looked at the stock portfolio performances of various segments of the economy. So they looked at the average American. The average American's stock portfolio underperforms the stock market averages. That would be my portfolio, for example. (laughs) Um, They looked at corporate executives that were trading their own company stock. So if you work at General Motors and you're trading General Motors stock, you tended to beat the market by three to five percent a year. Which you're allowed to do. Yeah, which you're allowed to do as long as you don't have material, right. non-public information. But but you have certain inherent advantages, right? You know that that um uh you know there's a new car that's going to be coming out that's going to be very popular. Or so you, Jenkins has been asleep at the wheel for a decade. Uh, so exactly, you know. <laughs> exactly. So you have some you have some relative information advantages. Then it looked at hedge funds. Hedge funds were beating the market by five percent a year, but the stunner, the stunner stunner was United States senators. United States senators were beating the stock market averages by 12% a year, which means you've got a couple of options here. Option number one is the U.S. senators are smarter than the wizards on Wall Street. They're smarter than these corporate executives trading their their stock by multitude of factors because they're beating the market. The second one is they're not smarter, they're corrupt as hell, and they're engaging in insider trading. Flip a coin. <laughs> <laughs> Flip a coin. I went out on a limb and said, you know what? I don't think they're actually all that brilliant. Yeah. I think there's something else going on. And that led us to the journey to discover that actually it was legal for members of Congress to trade uh, on inside information as members of Congress. If you sit on the Senate Armed Services Committee, you can vote on which weapon systems are going to be bought by the Pentagon. At the same time, you could trade stock in those companies. Uh, In the case of, uh, you know, you could sit on a on a healthcare committee and you could trade stock in pharmaceutical company stock, knowing that the federal government, like the Medicare and Medicaid services, uh, was going to start providing Medicare support 
uh, for certain drugs, huge boon to those drugs. And remember that business model, by the way, right? Like buying the stock of a company that you know you're about to send a bunch of government money to help subsidize. Exactly. Stock price is going to is going to skyrocket. Yeah. So this is how insider trading happens. They they know which legislation is going to pass. They know how it's going to benefit certain companies. They know how it might hurt certain companies uh, and they are free to trade stock. And that's how insider trading happens. And it's an enormous problem. Uh, and that brings us to the question of why we should care, Eric. Why do, why should people care that this is going on, that members of Congress are getting wealthy in this way? Well, because I think what it suggests is that people are making decisions not based on what's the best policy, right, Bingo. but Bingo. the most profitable. And exactly. so it becomes an incentive issue. And you know, we elect people to make decisions for all Americans based on the common good, not just uh, my private benefit. And, exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is why we have all kinds of restrictions on doctors, psychiatrists, uh, business executives, you can't make certain decisions that have a conflict of interest. There are rules or laws to prevent you from doing so. And if you do that in the stock market, the Securities and Exchange Commission is going to come after a corporate executive because precisely what you're saying, you're conflicted, you're making a decision based on your own personal financial interests rather than the broader interest. And when you're talking about members of Congress or presidents or cabinet secretary, I mean, you're talking about decisions that have an enormous impact on all of us. So maybe the most wild takeaway from your book over a decade ago wasn't that members of Congress were engaged in insider trading. It's that there was no law preventing it. Right, exactly. Yeah. And there literally wasn't. Uh, the insider trading uh, laws that apply to the rest of us were deemed not to apply to members of Congress. So they did, in fact, pass something called the Stock Act. Uh, it was passed by Republicans and Democrats. Barack Obama actually signed the bill. They later went back in the in the dark of night and gutted that bill. Uh, Technical but, legislative term. Yeah, exactly. Gutted that bill again on a bipartisan basis. The bill did improve some things. There's better reporting, um, but still we have a long way to go. And that brings us to the present. We've had two sort of uh, things that have been going on. One, Eric, is all these reports on what appears to be insider trading taking place with Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. Of course, she's worth uh, estimated over more than $100 million. Uh, her husband has been making a series of aggressive trades involving high tech while there was legislation that Nancy Pelosi was pushing through the House that would benefit those firms. Yeah, it seems like every few months there's a new Paul Pelosi did this stock move and Nancy <laughs> Pelosi's asked about it. And that's really kind of the fun piece of this, right? Because Nancy Pelosi has... She was asked about this over uh, a year ago in December, and she's like, hey, you know, what would you think about this prohibition on members of Congress and their spouses trading? And her quote was, no, we're a free market economy and people should be able to participate in that. And she drew criticism back in December from AOC, among others. And AOC said there's no reason members of Congress should be able to hold and trade individual stocks when we write major policy and have access to sensitive information. So fast forward to recently when based on new disclosures – it was discovered that Paul Pelosi, Nancy's husband, Paul Pelosi, by the way, of the uh, boozy uh, Napa <laughs> <laughs> excursions, DWI, uh, yeah. recently purchased 20,000 shares of this semiconductor company called NVIDIA. And the company's the, the shares that he purchased were worth one to five million. And just like the business model we talked about previously, this came ahead of a likely vote in the Senate that could have set aside 52 billion for the semiconductor industry and give tax credits for production, which obviously would be incredibly beneficial to companies like NVIDIA yeah. and also beneficial to people like Paul Pelosi, 
that holds stock in companies like NVIDIA. That's exactly right. And this is the inherent problem when they engage in these kinds of stock trades is Nancy Pelosi, she confers with the Senate leader, Chuck Schumer. So if there's a vote in the Senate, she knows when it's coming and Schumer's going to inform her because she supports the legislation, whether the votes are there for it to actually pass. So this is a classic definition of having access to inside information. It's funny to note her defense is, and I cannot believe she says this with a straight face, well, those aren't my shares. Right. That's my husband's stock trading, uh, which is, by the way, ludicrous. The very reason that she has to disclose her husband's stock trades is because the federal government's ethics laws say if your spouse does it, it's like you doing it. No, it's absolutely true. And by the way, like uh, there's actually an app that will report to you and it tracks Paul Pelosi's stock trades. Oh, I and gotta can, get this. Do I know, and it can emulate him. It's like the Pelosi fund. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a genius idea. Yeah. You, I wonder if you beat the market by doing that. You probably do. And also just kind of fast forward, and this is where you know we talked about how some of the common themes I think of, of this podcast and what we research and investigate at GAI is just how wealthy Washington has become and yeah. how the wealth of members of Congress sort of tracks with the financial ascent in the Washington, D.C. area. I think for the first time, maybe this Congress, maybe last Congress, more than half of members of Congress are millionaires, suggesting they are positioned to better profit and benefit from stock trades like this, right? Like capital yeah. begets capital. Yeah. So it does become kind of this game of elites just making these moves to benefit themselves, yeah. while average everyday Americans, as we see, right, continually have a hard time affording things like a gallon of milk. Right. And to your point, um, we've been focusing on Nancy Pelosi because she's the most visible uh, example of this, uh, not only with the stock trades, but they also have engaged in trading stock options, mm -hmm. which is you're making a leverage bet. It's very risky. So they're very aggressive. But beyond that, um, there have been a number of reports uh, involving other members of Congress. In fact, uh, recent reporting shows that 57 members of Congress and 182 senior level congressional staffers have also violated federal conflicts of interest laws. They failed to disclose stock trades, for example, or they engage in stock trading and they're not supposed to. Um, and that, and, by the way, was part of the pushback on the original Stock Act, right? It was the aids. And they said, well, hey, how come we can't buy it? Right. Yeah, well, so and, and of course, the reason they can't buy them is they've got access oh, to yeah. the same information. But um, you look at some specific examples. We had this whole issue with COVID and we were going to have these vaccines in certain companies. We're being giving, uh, given cutouts by the federal government from liability laws, et cetera. So in 2020, when all this is going on, nearly 75 members of Congress held stock in COVID vaccine makers, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and Pfizer. Uh, and of course, they're passing legislation that's going to affect them. Uh, recent reporting shows 15 lawmakers tasked with shaking, shaping U.S. defense policy are actively invested in military contractors. Which, just think about that, right? It's not like our defense policy <laughs> lately has been elite. Right, right? right. Exactly. So, so it does kind of raise the specter of like, hey, wait a minute, are we making decisions because we think, no, getting right. out of Afghanistan is good? Or did like, oh, actually my stock 
needs exactly. to be. Exactly. Yeah. I want that weapon system. Right. It has nothing to do with the fact that I own shares in the company that makes it. I want that weapon system because it's the best one. Uh, another conflict of interest that I actually hadn't thought of, you've got numerous Capitol Hill staffers and even members of Congress like AOC who have federal student loans who are pushing legislation to erase student loan debt. I mean, that's a massive conflict of interest uh, in a way because you financially benefit because loans are taken away. So it's a huge problem. A lot of people are doing it. And we have to say some members of Congress have actually stepped up to introduce legislation on a bipartisan basis to try to address this. And that's actually what started us down the path to do this podcast today, because there have been numerous and multiple uh, legislative efforts. There's H.R. 6678, which is bipartisan ban on Congressional Stock Ownership Act. I mean, basically, the, the key is, is that they want to make it so that members of Congress don't own individual stocks, right? Right. Oh, members of Congress and their families right. don't own individual stocks. There's a Senate uh, version as well that was introduced by Mark Kelly and I believe John Ossoff. Um, and so what's really interesting is, is that the people that are primarily introducing this legislation are Democrats. Right. And what I think is an especially fun kind of tidbit, especially when you think about Nancy Pelosi as like offender 1A of this, <laughs> right. is it's it's not just um, it's, it's obviously not Republicans trying to make Nancy Pelosi look bad, but it's actually a very broad spectrum of the Democrat congressional Alliance. You've got everybody from uh, Abigail Spanberger, who is, you know, relatively kind of moderate, conservative, more Democrat. moderate than Pelosi yeah. outside of Richmond, Virginia. She's in a swing district, mm -hmm. clearly recognizes that this would be popular with the American people. But then you've also got uh, Pramila Jayapal, who is out of the Washington area, and she's sort of been considered a mentee to people like AOC and the squad. Yeah. And she's much more progressive. In fact, there's a book that came out in May that when 2020 happened and the Republicans almost took over the House, Nancy Pelosi specifically singled out Jay Paul and said, you know, it's because of people like you and you're too progressive and, you're, you know, you're this loose socialism talk, which is going to offend Hispanic voters and uh, Asian voters because they actually know what socialism looks like. Right. And so, <laughs> um, you know, we think you're the problem. And so it is sort of interesting to see, you know, she's been critical of people like Jay Paul and Jay Paul is now the sponsor of this bill that would seem to undermine Nancy Pelosi's business model. Yeah, it absolutely would. And so to be clear, what the legislation does, as you pointed out, it says you can't trade and own individual shares of stock. You can own mutual funds, right, which which is a, a basket of a bunch of individual stocks, but you can't trade individual shares of stock. This is actually, I think, a good legislative solution. I don't think we, we want to be in a position to say they can't have any investments because we want them to have a stake in uh, American capitalism. Like that's and, a conflict of interest we're okay with, right? Like yeah, we yeah. want everybody to get rich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, and with a mutual fund, you own a broad number of stocks. The problem is with these individual shares, when Nancy Pelosi is looking at legislation that's going to benefit Amazon and her husband is making big bets on Amazon, that is a problem. So the legislation, I think, makes a lot of sense. You do have this element of probably this proxy war going on within the Democratic Party. The Some of these people who don't like Pelosi, they have squabbles going on. But I also think these uh, Democrats and the Republicans who are co-sponsoring some of these pieces of legislation, you've got Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee, who is uh, co-sponsoring them. You've got Steve Daines from Montana and Lindsey Graham from South Carolina. 
What they all recognize, and Nancy Pelosi doesn't because she is in a safe district, is this legislation is enormously popular with the American people. Because unlike Nancy Pelosi, who has, quote, great confidence in the integrity of my members, I'm going to say the American people don't. Well, and I would say this, that there's all this, there's numerous pieces of legislation that are being introduced, but guess what's happened? And this is kind of the big headline takeaway, Yeah, is that the legislation hasn't been able to get scheduled for a vote on the House floor. Yeah. And Nancy Pelosi is somewhat famous for she will only bring things to vote on the House floor even when she knows they have the votes to pass. And, and so, if she wants them to pass. And if she wants them to pass. And so that's, you know, the people that are introducing this legislation, like they can introduce a bill, but they can't necessarily get it scheduled in committee. Right. They can't necessarily get it out of committee. And they sure as heck can't get it onto the House floor without Nancy Pelosi's cooperation. That's a cooperation that currently the $114 million lady whose husband has numerous high <laughs> leverage stock <laughs> trades has yet to uh, afford. Right, exactly. This is an important distinction and difference between the U.S. Senate and the House. The House Speaker has enormous power. In the Senate, if you are a member of the Senate, you can introduce legislation anytime you want. Um, You can introduce it on the Senate floor. In the House, you can be the most powerful chairman of a committee. Uh, If Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker, says, I'm not going to put that on the calendar, Nobody even gets to vote on it. Right. Uh, and that's effectively what she's done. So some of the legislation, uh, Congressman Spamberger's legislation uh, that would um, effectively ban. Uh, in, no, sorry. Hers would require members to put all their assets into a blind trust, which I think is an interesting idea. That was actually introduced in February. We are now near the end of July. Uh, it has not been put on any calendar. Uh, you have the same situation with uh, the banning of owning of individual shares of stock that was introduced uh, earlier. Uh, it has 14 co-sponsors. Uh, and yet, for some reason, uh, it has not been put on the calendar by Nancy Pelosi. So this is the sort of we talked earlier about sometimes as parents, you end up having to do something you really don't want to do something so there's a little maybe passive aggressive engagement and behavior that's absolutely what nancy pelosi is doing here she does not want this legislation to pass um but she doesn't want to come out and say she's opposed to it so she's just going to pretend that it's a scheduling problem so here's a here's a charitable frame an alternate take <laughs> on nancy pelosi because i know she's got some fans out there maybe how many of them listen to the podcast it's unclear but uh, here's a charitable frame for nancy pelosi at least she's honest How's that? Well, I mean, think about this, right? So, and this is, think about the other things that are happening in Congress now. So you have this Republican uh, representative guy named Glenn Thompson from Pennsylvania. And so he was criticized because one of the things they've recently, one of the votes that has been calendared uh, on the House floor is this vote to codify same-sex marriage in the federal court, right? Because people are saying, hey, if you look at- federal law. In federal law. If you look at Clarence Thomas's supporting opinion, he may sort of send a signal that- there's some of these other protections that might not be um, guaranteed. And so maybe we need to kind of take votes to put these things in federal laws of, just in case. And so Glenn Thompson actually voted against that, as did, I think, 147 other members of the Republican Congressional yeah. Caucus. Yeah. Um, now, his spokesperson had previously said, well, this, this is silly. This is, quote, nothing more than an election year messaging stunt from Democrats in Congress who have failed to address historic inflation, out of control prices at gas pumps and grocery stores. The problem, and this is why it made national news, is three days after voting against the same-sex marriage bill, he went then to his son's same-sex marriage. 
And so people are like, oh, you're kind of a hypocrite. You're voting yeah, one I, way and you're kind of doing another thing. Yeah, but I mean, his argument, I think, would be this is not this is not necessary for the federal government. There are other protections. There are state laws around the country. So I, I get the point they're trying to make, but I think it's a little bit oh, uh, uh, ridiculous. I do. Agree. I, I agree. But at least what I'm saying is at least Nancy Pelosi's uh, portfolio goes where her <laughs> positions are. You know what I mean? Like she says a thing. She's like, no, I don't think we need this. Here's why we don't need it. So yeah. my husband can continue to do it. Right. Yeah, she doesn't want to confront the uh, fact that she's would have to oppose this legislation for obvious reasons. She's got much tighter alignment with her principles <laughs> and <laughs> interactions. Let's just have some honesty and transparency right. on these issues. That's that's the thing that that I think is so most is galling about this. You can make the case. I don't agree with it. You can make the case and argue that uh, we don't need this legislation and people can vote their members in and out of office. We have to disclose our stock trades. So let the voters decide. You could argue that. But she's not making that argument right. because she knows that's not popular. And she knows that the vast majority of people, probably even her own district, would disagree with that. Uh, but I don't give her the pass and say that she's being uh, consistent. I think she's hiding things uh, in a major way. Well, with $114 million portfolio, there's plenty of space to hide, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. So insider trading, we are going to continue to stay on this issue. It's absolutely critically important, not just because members of Congress are getting wealthy uh, off of public service, but because, as Eric pointed out earlier, it's affecting the decision-making cycle. The reason we have legislation to avoid conflicts of interest is because it distorts the decisions that they're going to make, and that is to the detriment of us and to the benefit of the political class. Totally agree. And, uh, you know, maybe you should write another book about insider trading. <laughs> it's it's the gift that keeps giving, I have to say, unfortunately. Well, thank you for joining us again on The Drill Down. As always, you can find our podcast at thedrilldown.com or a number of other platforms. Uh, thank you for joining us. And until next time, this is Peter Schweitzer and Eric Eggers. <laughs>